podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Matt Scarfo, a writer, speaker, and owner and private fitness consultant at Full Time Fitness. Matt says that if he had to choose a single thing to share with the world, it would be empathy. This word is so appropriate for so many reasons, he states. For the greater part of his first 20 years on this earth, Matt sought after a way to explain the feelings he had when he was around other people and observing a particular experience they were having. Deep, visceral feelings. For as long as he can remember, Matt had this ability to share in certain experiences with people while they were having them. It could have been emotional, spiritual, or physical. He feels what they feel as though it was partially his experience. As Matt has matured, it's matured. Since he knows that his greatest ability allows him to help so many people in so many ways, he feels as though the dedication of all of his efforts to contributing all that he can has been long overdue. The commitment that he is making to all those that would benefit from his offerings is a commitment to each of their benefactors as well. Matt moves through his life with a curious demeanor and inquisitive nature. He has always wanted to take things apart and put them back together, both to a certain benefit and at a certain cost. His aptitude has always been fitness and athletics and will be for his remaining tenure on this earth. Over the last 20 years, his curiosity has fueled his passion of understanding human performance and function. And in his own pursuits of personal growth, he is committed to exploring the things that he finds fascinating and compelling. Matt is looking forward to making sense of the things he learns along the way. And he looks forward to sharing those experiences with you in the hopes you learn from them too. Meet Matt on mattscarfo.com. Here is the interview with Matt Scarfo. So, hi again, Matt Scarfo. This is the second time we talk. It has been a long time. I'll ask you the first question, as I always do, but in a different way. Who is Matt Scarfo today. Have you changed in any way? Uh, that's such a great question. I I have, and I probably have changed in ways that 
that I'm not able really to recognize at this moment. I, I feel like a lot of the changes that we make are often better defined in hindsight. So in the last six to nine months um, since the, the shutdown and since COVID has, has ravaged our society and ravaged our behaviors and, and our sense of normalcy, um, I've certainly changed. I've become more patient. I've become more understanding and more empathetic and realized that my blessings are too numerous to count. And because of that, I am looking for ways and have looked for ways to really lend a helping hand out to the people in my community or the people that are within my reach to be able to help them cope with the challenges and the issues that they're facing as a result of all of these things that we've all had to get used to over the last few months. Yes. And speaking of that, do you have a vision for a new reality, a better world after 2020? I do. Um, back in March, I had to close my business down in New Jersey and uh, I wasn't able to open it up for many months. And then at the end of August, I, I had to walk away from it for good. So I had to begin to envision a new life ahead of me anyway, with regard to my, my personal goals and ambitions, as well as my familial goals and ambitions. So I, I think that many things are going to change. And I think that many things are going to stay the same, oddly, in the sense that, you know, we just have to magnify the things that we love about ourselves and all of the positive traits and characteristics that we've got that, that do benefit other people. And at the same time, look for new ways to reach out and, and offer assistance to the people that are, that need help or, or might even be too proud to ask for help. So certainly. I love the way you talk about empathy. So the article you sent to me, the opening of that article, it says, if I had to choose a single thing to share with the world, it would be empathy. What were the biggest lessons that you have learned in 2020? <laughs> the biggest lessons I've learned in 2020. I think that the single biggest lesson that I've learned in 2020 is that it's hard to depend on people when they themselves need to depend on people for the things that they need. And that's not, at, you know, any with any disrespect or malice, it's just that some people, you know, so I, I recently flew back and forth to Louisiana and on the plane, they say that when the oxygen mask comes down from the ceiling, God forbid you should need it to please put your mask on first and then assist the person or the child next to you because you're no good unless, unless you're okay. So I think it's, it's very much the same that if, if we're not, focusing on ourselves and making sure that we've got at least what we need in order to tread water, that in no way are we going to be able to help other people swim. And from, I guess, the, the consumer side of that or the recipient side of that, it's when, we're, when we are grasping for straws or we're looking for help or, or we know that we need assistance or, or we need a shoulder to lean on, we need to make sure that the people that we look to can in fact help us. Otherwise, you end up drowning the both of you. So it's important, one, to make sure that, that we can swim and that we've got enough of our own fortitude and our own strength and, and, and spirituality really to, to rely on ourselves, at least for the core component of, of 
you know, just our basic needs before we can start to look elsewhere because um, you know, otherwise you just end up being a burden on a lot of people and, and that causes a problem for a lot of people. So we really need to make sure that we can depend on ourselves at least for a little bit before we can depend on others for a lot. Do you practice unconditional self-love? And if you do, how? <laughs> you know, I, I don't. And, and I'm, I'm a little embarrassed <laughs> to say that uh, I like, I, I think that I'm moving in a direction where my self-love is becoming more and more unconditional, but I think that's part of the human condition is, um, you know, the, the ego gets in the way of a lot of things. And, and if, if we can let go of that ego and just be, then I, I think that that's probably a, a grand indicator of, of self-love that we don't hold any grudges against ourselves, that we don't harbor any guilt from things that we've done or, from things that we would have done different. So um, no, but I'm certainly a better practitioner of, of self-love than I was yesterday. And, and I hope that tomorrow I'm, I'm better at it than I was today. What is your idea and understanding of spirituality? I think that it really stems from a, a belief or an understanding that we're not just a, another animal on this planet that's subject to biological function and, and it starts the moment we're born and it ends the moment our body dies. I don't think that that's the case at all. I think that spirituality really starts with an understanding or at least a yearning to understand that we were alive before we were born and will continue to be alive long after we're dead. So um, spirituality is, is the belief and the understanding that there's more to it than just this biological body, that this is really just a vehicle or at least a, a temporary vehicle for us. I mean, who knows what happens after we leave this body? Do we find another one? Do we, do we carry on in the ether? What happens? But um, I, I think that without a grander sense of purpose and without a grander sense of self that is identified by not just our physical being, but by something deeper than that. I, I think that that's where spirituality stems from, that we're not just this, this flesh and bone, that we are so much more than this. And this is really just the, the outward representation of the meat that we live in while we traverse through this life. Is this a belief or a knowing? I think that faith is not needing to know for sure. Mm. It's that it almost transcends the, the things that we can prove. I mean, we're, we're limited by, we're limited by our physical being and we're limited by the language that we use to describe these things. I mean, I think we, we think in concepts and, and we live in concepts, but we speak in words and, and words by definition are just, there are metaphors for the emotions that we feel. So I'm not, I'm not sure but I think that I, I think that we need to have faith one way or another. And and those that think that when their body expires, that's it, and that and that it's over with, mm-hmm. I think that they lead a very a, a very limited existence. And that by believing that their energy carries on, um, I don't know. I don't know if we could know that for sure. I mean, that's that's the great question. What what lies beyond that door? Um, nobody really knows, but I, I think that if, if it helps you live a better life in thinking that we carry on and we still have to pay the debts that we've accumulated while we were here in this physical sense, uh, 
that we generally tend to live a better life overall. What do you think or feel is the purpose of your life at this time? My purpose of life at this time. So I am a very firm believer that we need to, if we've got the ability to help other people help themselves, then we've got the ability to help an exponential amount of people by allowing them or those people that we help to help others and, and so on and so forth. So I think the, the purpose of my life right now is to give all that I can um, and, and hopefully a little bit more to those around me in the hopes that they can do the same for others. So I think it's a, a perpetual pay it forward kind of mindset where, you know, we need to volunteer our time and our resources for those who are either incapable or unable to do it themselves. Uh, you know, we, we go through these ebbs and flows as human beings where we, we feel great, we feel wonderful, and we feel very altruistic. And then there's moments where we feel like we're a vacuum of energy and we're a vacuum of resources of those around us. And when we're in those highs, it's incumbent upon us to take that abundance that we feel and spread it out as far as we can. And when we're in those lows, I think it's incumbent upon us to be open and accepting of the, the things that others would, would give us to help us along our way and not feel guilty of it, not feel guilty or feel that there's this need that we, that we can't take it because we're too proud and our, and our pride and our ego get in the way. I mean, we, over the last few months that you know, my, my family has had some troubles with the business closing and, and readjusting. Uh, so many people have come out of the woodwork and volunteered and, and donated in various ways to ensure that, that we're okay and that my family is okay. And, and much of it I didn't ask for, but, uh, and I had conversations with my wife about it. You know, what, what do I do? Is this something that I should, that I should accept? Or is this something that I should respectfully decline. And, and she said that, you know, what you're doing is if you if you decline this, you're taking away, you're taking it away from them. I mean, they want to help. They want to feel good. They're at these times of abundance where they've got extra resources and extra energy that they can, that they can give and they're, and they're choosing to give it to you. And it's, it's not up to you to take that away from them. So, so accept it with open arms. And then when we're in a position where things are abundant for us, then, then we can pay it back into the universe and, and, and pay that debt, not necessarily to the person, but, but to humanity. And, um, and I think that that's just it. It's, uh, it's, it's a give and a take and you can't feel guilty about giving, but you also shouldn't, well, you can't feel guilty about taking, but you also shouldn't feel guilty about, about taking in that sense either. And you speak of the ego. I think this is the second or third time you mentioned. What is the ego? I think our ego is our impression of ourselves. Um, and it's, I think, in a lot of ways, it's the, it's the proud impression of ourselves. We don't want to let go of this sense of self or this, this definition we have of, of ourself and our, our purpose for being here. So our ego is, is basically a, a reflection of, of, of who we think we are or, or who we think we need to be. And it's often shrouded in a often impenetrable shield of, of pride that is, is to our detriment in some cases. If you're too proud to accept help 
you know, there, there's this old story that my mother used to tell me and, um, you know, I'll, I'll paraphrase it, but there was this man was living in a home and it was raining and it was raining for days and his house started to flood and, um, the, the water begins to come up into the first floor and it's knee deep on the first floor. And there's a, a rescue boat that comes and says, come on, let's go. We're going to take you out of here. And the guy says, no, I'm not worried about it. No, God's going to come and save me. Um, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be fine here. And uh, so they say, okay. And they leave. And a few days later, the water's gotten up to the second floor. The man's on the second floor now. And uh, a boat comes again. And they say, come on, let's, let's help you. Let's get you out of here. And he says, no, no, no. My, you know, my, my safety is coming. I'm not worried about it. Thank you so much for your help. I'll, I'll worry about it when, when the Lord saves me. And a few days later, now the man's standing on the roof helicopter comes and says, come on, we don't really have many more opportunities to help you. And he says, nope, my, my, my Lord and Savior is coming. Don't stress it. I'll be okay. And uh, so they leave and one last time. Now we're standing on the top of the chimney and the rain is still coming. The winds are still blowing and they come and they say, sir, this is going to really be the last opportunity for us to save you. I don't know. Um, you know, I think, I think you should really let us help. And the man says, nope, um, I'm going to be okay. And lo and behold, the man the floodwaters rise and the man ends up drowning and he's standing at the pearly gates and he looks at God and he says, come on, like what? I, I thought you were going to come to save me. And God said, I, I did. I sent you three boats and two <laughs> helicopters, but, you, but you refused to take them. And, um, and I think, I think that sums it up. You know, we, we, we need to be open to, to accepting help and, and not let our pride and our ego get in the way and, and just leave it as a, as an open door. It, it can come and it can go and people can take it as they need and, and people can offer it to you as you need. The article you sent me, you talk about God, and then you also mentioned the universe. Um, most like they are the same. But I'm wondering if you could answer a question for me about this idea of a personal God. Let's say this entity that sits like the story, your mother's story, <laughs> that's out there and it's waiting for you after you die and all that. Why do you think so many of us believe in such an idea and concept? I think that it's in the hopes that our, our existence isn't so finite. And, and what I like to say when I, when I speak of God, I, I certainly capitalize it. I was born and raised a Roman Catholic, uh, but I think that as I've matured and as I've grown up, I've, my belief system and my understanding has allowed me to use capital G God and capital U universe interchangeably. They both mean the same thing to me. And I think that, uh, I think that they, they really do both mean the same thing overall, though a, when we, when we put a face to something or a figure to something that, that reminds us of a human, it makes it a little bit more relatable. And I think that perhaps that was the intention of creating this mystical figure that sits above the clouds and has a beard and, you know, looks like a man because, you know, we were created in his image. Well, technically we were created in their image as it's stated in the book, but I, I think it's very much the same thing. And, and I certainly don't mean any disrespect to those who believe one way or the other. I, if I were to define God or the, or the universe, I would say that it is the, the cause of our conscience. When, when, our vo when our inner voice speaks to us and talks to us about right or wrong, um, is that a message from the universe or is that the voice of God? And I think that it's either or or both. So I, I certainly think that there's room in my faith to account for that. 
and um, and, and I think that if, if we look at it in that sense, they do very most they, they do very much both mean the same thing. Do you connect empathy to compassion and also love? I do. I do. And I think that empathy is pure empathy is a true expression of compassion and love. That if we if we care about the other energies that surround us, whether they be just earth energies or animal energies or plant energies, I think that with it's with this empathy and with this compassion and love that we treat things as though they would want to be treated. And and we want everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be cared for. And I think that the planet and everything that that resides on this planet is deserves the same and feels the same. So I think that we all have a life force. I think that we all have an energy. I think that we all have a consciousness. So, you know, as humans, our, our collective ego gets in the way to think that, you know, animals don't feel or, or care or have emotions or even plants or ecosystems or cultures for that matter, for the same. Um, but I, I do think that empathy is compassion. Empathy is love. Empathy is caring and, 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 and sympathy and, and everything else that goes along with, you know, just treating everything around us as we would want to be treated if we were any of those people, things, or, or other beings. Yeah, that's a very um, powerful and simple way to explain that. Everything's connected and everything wants to live, to experience this, whatever this is. So my question to you after that is, are you a vegan or a vegetarian? I'm not. I'm, um, I'm a meat eater and, um, and, and unapologetically so. I think that, you know, in, even in terms of veget- being a vegan or, or a vegetarian, and I mean this with no disrespect and um, with all due reverence to, to everybody's personal beliefs, you know, even, an, even plants experience and they experience their surroundings and their environment. And there's more and more studies that show that, you know, trees communicate with each other and plants communicate with each other. And if that's the case, then, you know, they can communicate senses of well-being, but they can also communicate senses of stress. So the same as an animal, a a deer or um, a cow or or something of that nature would would experience uh, stress or pain. I think that that vegetables and fruits do also. I mean, we all have this life force. We all have this energy. And just as when I die, I'm consumed by bacteria and plants and fungus and all of these other things. Um, I think that we all do rely on each other in this collective consciousness and this collective sharing of experience to support one another of different species and of, of, of different, um, you know, I, I, we all depend on each other for those things. So I, I do. And, and I don't personally see eating fruits and vegetables as being much different than, than eating animals. Though I don't prefer to eat animals that have been tortured or have been raised to die. Um, that bothers me knowing that, you know, this poor animal was ra- born in a cage, raised in a cage and, and murdered in a cage to be, you know, so its flesh can be consumed. Mm. I prefer to eat animals that are hunted. I think that most wild animals don't meet a peaceful end. They're either, you know, deer don't die of old age. Buffalo don't die of old age. Pigs don't die of old age. They're often predated or, or, you know, die otherwise of disease or, or something. So, um, I think that hunting 
is probably one of the more humane ways to to harvest the meat and foods that we eat. Um, so long as it's done ethically, I think that there is an ethical way to do that. But, um, you know, I don't like the fact that animals are, are born and bred to die and eat foods that barely sustain their life in the first place. I think that I, I don't think that that's right. I don't think that that's OK. What do you love most about being in a human body? Uh, yeah, I don't know, because I, I, I don't know if I have I can recall any any memories or experiences of being in another body and, and being able to compare one to the other. I think that I, I love feelings of pleasure. I love feelings of satisfaction. I love feelings of being helpful. I, I like I like being aware of my own existence and being a, and because of that, I like being able to direct the effects of my own existence. Mm -hmm. So, you know, assuming that we, we all share an energy with everything that's on this planet, animate and inanimate, I, I like the existence of my consciousness simply because it gives me this overwhelming feeling of being real. But, uh, you know, that that's double-edged because in a way, we are a, a brain in a bucket living in a meat suit. And in this bucket, it's completely dark inside of our skull. And we've got these sensors that allow us to taste and to touch and to feel our body in space and to see and to hear. And these are all different ways that our that our brain uses to experience the world around us and interpret this world around us. And you know, based on the senses that we have and we identify and the senses that we have and we haven't identified yet, you know, I, I think that that experiencing the world as I experience it and as we experience it as humans is, is both a blessing and a curse. It gives us a, a great way to, to, to be and a great way to feel and a great way to share. Um, but at the same time, those are the things that, that, that hurt us the most. I mean, when we're, when we're victims of our own mentality mm. and victims of our own advanced ability to reason I think that that's the other edge of that sword. So um, I, I, I don't, I, I think that's probably the best way that I can explain it because it's, it's hard to not, it's hard when I don't have another basis of comparison other than perhaps meditative states or dream states where you detach from the body. What is the meaning of freedom to you, Matt? What is to be free? Wow, you don't ask easy questions. <laughs> the, the meaning of freedom is to, I, I guess it is, to be unencumbered. And I think that that's a relative sensation in that some people that are most, that we would assume to be most free are in, are, are the least free. And some people that are least free actually are, are most, I mean, some people that are in jail or that have been incarcerated are some of the most free people that are on this planet because they've, they've given up their worldly possessions, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, but they live a life where they don't feel the need to need anything beyond what is just truly required to exist. And they're happy about that. You know, some people with the most amount of possessions are the most shackled people we know. I mean, there's that saying that, you know, the things that we own end up owning us. And in large part, the more, materials that we accumulate, you know, the, the, the heavier our burden becomes because we associate those things with our own identity. So um, I think freedom is the sense of being unencumbered and, and not burdened by 
whether it be emotional baggage or, or materialistic baggage or, or spiritual baggage for that matter, to forgive yourself and to forgive others for your transgressions and your shortcomings, I think is probably the root cause of, of any initiation of, of true freedom or, or the true sense of freedom. And are you still a fitness consultant? I am. Um, I am. I've, uh, I've transitioned to co- mentoring and coaching now as well. But yeah, now that I don't have my brick and mortar anymore, everything is uh, everything is done virtually online and, and remotely. And I do consult, I do coach and I do mentor. And if someone wants to be in touch with you, what's the best way to do that, Matt? Uh, the best way, if they wanted to consume some of my content, um, they can go to mattscarfo.com, all one word. Or uh, if they look me up on LinkedIn, uh, they can communicate with me directly. And I love meeting new people and talking to new people, sharing stories and experiences. And that's as simple as um, you know, linkedin.com slash in slash mattscarfo. The article you sent to me, it caught my attention because how interesting and powerful it is. But I have a question for you. So you wrote, the universe opens its infinite possibilities only to those who prove themselves worthy, the recklessly committed. So my question is, how did you come to this understanding yourself? So um, back at the end of uh, at the end of May, I decided out of out of anger, out of frustration, out of angst, and also out of support of my my community, my friends, and my colleagues who were business owners and entrepreneurs, uh, my business was shut down still at the end of May, and I decided that I was going to run from my home in North New Jersey to Washington D.C. And this run was roughly 411 kilometers. It took me just over nine days to do, and um, it was well beyond what. I thought I would be able to accomplish unless I reached some new level. And, and it was a, a personal odyssey in a way, and it was a representation, a metaphor for the struggle and the angst that, that me and my peer group and my support network were experiencing. So about four days in, um, I, I started to just grind to a halt. My body was protesting. Um, I had broken bones in my feet. I had stress fractures. My feet were bruised. Um, I was pretty damaged physically overall, and um, and my mind started to turn on me as well. Uh, you know, the the voices in our head that were normally supportive and, and consoling eventually began to scrape the bottom of the barrel and um, and, and say things that only only a, only a bad energy or, or I'll use the word demon here would know and even think to bring up to cause me to stop and. I, I powered on through it. And, and one of the things I kept saying to myself or, or some, a voice from the other side was saying to me was, you know, let those voices say what they want. As long as you continue forward, they can't win. You have to treat it as though it were just a TV playing in the background and give it no mind and give it no thought. And what, I, what would have normally caused me to stop um, many miles prior uh, broken bones and stress fractures and, and you know, torn muscles and things like that. What I realized was that all of these things that came up that would cause me to stop or accumulate to cause me to stop were, were simply tests. And the more I powered through them, you know, I, I, would, I would beat these bosses for each of these levels, if you will use a, a video game metaphor. 
And when I got to the final boss, which were these, these terrible thoughts and feelings that I was having, and I was able to power through, there was a point that I became convinced that this was simply the universe or God seeing if I was worthy of what it is that I was seeking. And the way I, I, I liken it is, you know, the, the universe or God, they get a million prayers a day, a million requests a day. Please let this light stay green. Please let me be early for work. Please don't let so-and-so be there. And, and they can't answer all of those. Um, there's just not enough time or energy to do that. So I think that the universe really saves its true treasures for those that it knows are fully committed. And when I was and I was fully committed. I was going to finish the last hundred miles of this on crutches if I needed to. I was going to crawl there if I had to. And and I think that once the universe had seen that that my requests and my prayers were substantiated by the effort that I was putting in, it eventually said, you know what? I'm either going to have to I'm either going to have to kill this guy or let him go. And and he's proven himself that he's so recklessly committed to this goal. That if that I need to get out of the way, he deserves what it is that he's wished for. And that next day, um, long story short, that day that I was about to give up, I I had only run about 12 miles that day. Um, the following day, I well that night I had done some meditative work, I had done some praying, I had done some breath work, and um, I woke up that next morning and wouldn't you know it, I, I wouldn't have believed it if it didn't happen to me. Uh, the bruises in my feet had disappeared. The swelling in my the swelling in my knee has gone, and I had I feel like I had achieved a different ascension of consciousness in a sense where the the universe let me pick my reality at that point, and and it opened up its gates to me and said, choose what you will, I'll give it to you. You've proven yourself, and. And it did. And that next day, I'd run from uh, a town called Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania, to York, Pennsylvania, about 38 miles away. Um, I would have never been able to do that if I took all of my injuries and issues at face value. Uh, but, but I feel like I was I was accepted into this this quantum realm of you know you get to pick your reality at this point. And 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 that's what that's what I think it means. I think it means that. You know, you could, you could say all these prayers, but if you're not saying them with a with a full heart and and you're not saying it with all of your mind, all of your body, and all of your soul, you're not making these requests and showing that you're worthy of it and and that you you will you're willing to prove yourself regardless of the cost. I think that you know I think that rock bottom is a whole lot lower than most people think, and um, but but there is certainly a bottom. It's not an infinite. It's not an infinite depth. And, and once you've given up a thousand times in your head, but your spirit doesn't let you, doesn't let you stop. I, I think that that's when we're granted all of our wishes. And, and that was, that for me was the, the prime example of it, that, you know, to, to make it, to minimize it, you know, don't give up, keep going at all costs, so on and so forth. But when you're really faced with this, yeah, I was crying my eyes out. I was bowling hysterically on the side of a road in Pennsylvania for, you know, for hours on end. And, but I wouldn't let my stop, I wouldn't let my feet stop moving. And, and I think that's when, you know, the, the power that is looked at me and said, you know what, he's, he's earned it. Let's give it to him. But it was only because I was recklessly committed and, and I ignored all of the negatives that were 
staring me in the face and all of the things that would otherwise have made any rational person stop. Um, I think that the energy saw that I wasn't going to do that. So it, it, it let me through. Would you call that a miracle? You mentioned in the article too about miracles. Yeah, I would, because I think that, um, I think that, I think that God and, and the universe don't do favors, yeah, you know, right. they, they, they don't, they're not going to let you accumulate um, a, a debt and that you can pay back later. It wants the, the universe wants you to pay it up front. And when you pay it up front, I think these, these miracles, these, these things that we can't believe could happen, do happen. And whether that's a spontaneous remission from a disease or whether it is an event that couldn't have otherwise taken place unless something behind the scenes was pulling the strings. Um, it, the universe isn't going to give you that and then let you pay it off over time. The universe wants you to pay that up front. And then once, once that last penny has been spent and your debt has been prepaid, I think that's when it, that's when it decides that it's going to give it to you. And that's when the miracles happen. Absolutely. I have an, a question for you about thoughts. Yeah. You mentioned those thoughts in your head, listening to them and then choosing not to listen to them. What are thoughts to you? Do you think that we are being thought in a way, <laughs> all of us? So the, um, I want to make sure I understand your, your question. Um, is it, are, are you asking in a way, could we be a simulation or, or something to that effect? Not really, but um, the idea of thoughts, it's such a mystery to me and so many people I talk to. And I'm wondering if, Thoughts are thanking us and not the other way around. We are not really thanking them. They're just coming to us and telling us what to do and how to do it. <laughs> you know, I don't know, because I, I think that, for example, our impression of the world around us is biased, uh, not just by our previous experiences, but by our ability to measure our environment. And in the sense that sound and color don't exist, um, they're, they're simply just oscillations or, or, or wavelengths that, you know, when we think about visible light, we see one millionth of a millionth of a percent of the electromagnetic spectrum. We see a very small piece of what's really out there. So if, if we're locked inside of that tiny, tiny little box, there's an enormous world universe out there that we don't experience on a normal basis. And maybe those are the things that we experience when we dream. Maybe, you know, maybe we're dreaming right now. And when we sleep is when we're truly alive. We, we don't know those things. So I don't, I don't know if, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that we are thoughts of ourselves and that's really all we are, but I don't know if, if we're just, you know, um, the screensaver on some, alien computer somewhere and, and our, and our time, our perception of time is just extremely protracted or if those thoughts in our head are actually our own. But I, I like to think of it like, like this, if I, I can read, if I look at a page and I read in my head, I can hear those words. Um, and I can hear those words without, without the sound vibrating the airwaves, you know, and, and making it to my eardrums. And that sound is real. I can hear my own voice in my head and I can, I can speak in my own voice in my head. So I, I think that that in some way might be representative of 
of our true self, of our spirit. And, and that when we, when we do move on from this existence, I, I think that that's part of where we go. I, I think that that's part of who we really are and that this body is, is really just an impression of that we have of ourselves and it changes on any given day. I mean, I know when I look in the mirror on some mornings, I feel like I look great. And when I look in the mirror on other mornings, I feel like I look terrible, <laughs> but to the people around me, they see the same me. Right. right. So, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know how much of that we make up and how much of that is real. But I, I think that, I think that the, we, we need certainty as human beings and, and we look for that and, and it's really hard for us to be convinced of the things that we're convinced of otherwise. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just don't know. The end of the, your article, it's very interesting to you say, deep down, we fear failure and deeper than that, we fear success. That kind of made me reflect because, wow, we are actually afraid of success. That doesn't make sense, but it does happen. What is success to you these days, Matt? What is to be successful? I think successful, being successful is, is relative and very personal to, to people and to each individual. And I, I think that the definition of success is just a, a progress towards a definitive goal. It's something that makes us feel like we're moving forward in a way. And, and if we can take into consideration the fact that sometimes we need to take one step forward in order to, or one step back in order to take two steps forward. Um, you know, we can't look at success as any one moment. We really do have to try to take a, a 30,000 foot view and a, and a very universal perspective over our journey through this life and, and through our awareness of this life. And when I say that, you know, people deep down, people feel success. We have this impression of ourselves that we hold on to very, very tightly. And we refuse to let anything convince us otherwise that might be counter to this impression that we have. And when we look at something so grand or, or we, we have this goal that we have in mind, I think that in some ways we sabotage ourselves because we can't we can't imagine all of the things in our life that would change as a result of us achieving that one thing. And because of that complete upheaval and redefinition of our life and our existence, I think that we, we, we volunteer to stay inside of this cage, even when the gate is wide open. So I, I, success is, is just progress towards a goal um, or, or progress in a positive direction. You know, we can be successful in any moment. And we can be successful in any life. And, and what we think is success, somebody might think is not, but, you know, it's really not up to them. It's, it's our responsibility to feel as though we are accomplishing things and, and, and ending this life in a way that was greater than we could have ever imagined and, and impacting those around us or, you know, to those of to those that are extremely selfish and, um, and not very self-aware, you know, success might be, might be very selfish, but I, I think that, you know, success isn't an individual thing. I, I think it's incumbent upon us to ensure that everything and everybody around us moves forward and, mm-hmm. and progresses 
forward, not just through time, but through space and through events and through challenges. So, um, yeah, success is, is progress. What is another word for healing? Forgiveness. And the last question is, if you knew you would lose the body soon, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? I regret to say yes, I would. And I would, you know, that's such a, I would love as hard as I could. I would forgive as hard as I could. I would care as hard as I could. And I feel like with, you know, without with knowing that the end is coming and we just don't know when we, we, we mortgage that and, and we, we kick that can down the road as far as we can. But if I knew that this would be my last day, I would, I would reconcile everything as hard as I could. I know you mentioned before, website, please tell us again, where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? Sure. So um, mattscarfo.com, M-A-T-T-S-C-A-R-F-O.com, all one word. Uh, that's my website. I have my blog up there soon to come. Also a podcast. If uh, you're interested in seeing what I do on a daily basis in terms of working out and spirituality or anything along those lines, my Instagram page at Matt Scarfo is a great place to see and view those things. And if you wanted to contact me professionally or just reach out and have a conversation, then LinkedIn is the best place to find me, Matt Scarfo. Thank you so much again, Matt, for your wisdom, profound wisdom sharing your message, the mission that you're in. And I absolutely love your courage and authenticity, which is connected anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks for letting me share it with you and your audience. We'll talk soon. Bye for now, Matt. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Matt Scarfo and his work, please visit mattscarfo.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.